Well, folks, come on, EG Dave. It's Jerry Adams here again. And very big welcome to you all to this podcast. As, as you may know, Sinn Féin have just published a discussion paper, The Economic Benefits of a United Ireland, and it's really a very exciting contribution to the growing conversation about the future, about a new Ireland, about a shared, agreed Ireland. And the big question that's sometimes put up by people who are against the ending of the union and the building of uh, self-government across the island, the big question that's sometimes put up by them and by others who just aren't sure is, can we afford it? So this document, The Economic Benefits of United Ireland, reveals an island economy which is capable of expanding its economic potential, which is capable of creating new jobs, better paid jobs, and building a better standard of living for all its citizens, alongside first-class public services. Partition has failed. That's for sure. It's failed the people of this island, whatever benefit it was to those who ruled us in the past. And this December the 23rd will mark 100 years since the Government of Ireland Act, by which our island and our people were divided, was signed into law by an English king. And six years earlier, James Connolly, writing in The Irish Worker, warned that partition would mean, and I quote, a carnival of reaction both north and south, would set back the wheels of progress, would destroy the incoming unity of the Irish labour movement, and paralyse all advanced movements whilst it endured. To it, Labour should give the bitterest opposition. And Connolly was right, and the northern state, in fact, the island society which emerged following partition, was exactly what he feared. Political unionism, its business class, built an apartheid orange state along sectarian divisions. They turned worker against worker, introduced a system of structured political and economic discrimination, which continues to impact on the Northern society. Two conservative states with two conservative elites were established and they took decisions that left the disadvantaged, whether it's in the border region immediately uh, and directly affected by partition, or whether it's the people uh, across the rest of the island left them impoverished and a section of citizens in the north, by law almost, second-class citizens. So there have been 100 years of disjointed competing economic and social uh, policies. And in recent years, notably since the Brexit vote, there's been a growing debate about another way forward, a growing debate uh, which is very much focused on the economy and about the merits of self-economic government. And the new discussion paper which Sinn Féin published on Friday examines as the failures, but more crucially sets out the economic benefits 
that will accrue from a single island economy in a united Ireland. The paper reveals, and we should all know this anyway, that the North is the slowest growing economic region on these islands, that its labour market is characterised by jobs that are lower paid and less secure than in the Irish state or in Britain. Some 20% of workers earn less than a basic living wage. And in addition then, the wasteful competition and division arising from partition undermines the fortunes on both sides along the border corridor. The economic benefit also analyses the claim that the Irish state cannot afford Irish unity or cope with the loss of the British subvention. And the claim that the British subvention is worth 10 billion is exposed as false. The real figure is at most 6 billion and closer to less than half that. Now the the threat caused by Brexit, the awfulness of COVID-19 obviously have created big, big difficulties and terrible challenges, but also opportunities. And an all-island approach, even leaving aside the constitutional issue, an all-island approach is, is clearly in the best interests of all of the people who live here. So we should have the right to self-government. We should have the right to take decisions on and in our own interests. And, you know, London takes interests in its interests. So the people of this island, and it's obvious, will take decisions if we have self-government in our interests, not in the interests of folks in London. And there is a potential for a bigger, stronger, better economy and the unlocking of the potential of uh, all of this in the time ahead. And Pierce Doherty, the Sinn Féin finance spokesperson, said, The health of an economy, the standard of living of its citizens, is driven by investment, research, innovation, good public services and access to the global economy. And all of these, not only is the union stuttering, it is moving backwards. Brexit Britain is a Britain that looks increasingly isolated, a Britain that is looking inwards. As we emerge from COVID-19, we face the spectre of another round of Tory austerity. The North deserves better and the United Ireland offers so much more. Pierce also pointed out that Irish Unity would allow for coordinated investment and development, something the border region has been missing for a century. It would utilise economies of scale, allowing one economy to develop rather than having two economies competing. The current trajectory of the all-island economy attests to these opportunities, and Pierce Doherty is right. With almost six million people, and a larger economy, Irish Unity will create better jobs, increase incomes, improve our quality of life and deliver better public services. So the discussion paper examines public finance, looks at expenditure statistics and demonstrating that we can't afford to unite 
the people of this island and the island of Ireland. And it considers the advantages of unity for the promotion of the green economy, the precedent of German reunification, and the role the EU can play in successfully reuniting Ireland. It's well researched, it's a positive, confident document from Sinn Féin. So if you want to find out more about this, go to www.sinnfein.ie and read and discuss the economic benefits of a united Ireland. I want to deal now, if I can, with the death of our friend and comrade Donny Groves, and it's the nature of things that this podcast and my blog has been moved to record the deaths of friends more often than I would like to. So it's with the greatest of sadness that I extend my condolences to the family of Donny Groves, who died after a long battle with cancer. To Liz, to their children, Roisin, Bill, Jim, Eilish, Donny, Emma and Deirdre, and the many grandchildren, great-grandchildren and the extended family circle. Ta me eg Yanu Makov Ron Dibsha Gullier. The Groves family is one of those spinal Republican Belfast families who have been involved in Republican activism since partition. Donny, same age as myself, was a member of the Tom Williams Pipe Band in the 1960s. He was at numerous commemorations, musical sessions, Easter parades, fundraisers for Sinn Féin and for the National Graves Association. And Joe Cahill, our late leader, was president of the Tom Williams Pipe Band. Donny marched for civil rights in 68 and 69. In the pogroms of 69, he was one of those who helped families to evacuate out of Ardoin and out of other parts of Belfast City into the west of Belfast. And he and Liz are from North Belfast. They uh, lived in, up until recently in Tullymore Gardens in Upper Andersonstown, very close to where Donny's mother, the indomitable Emma Groves, lived. And she was a mother of 11 children who was blinded in December 1971 by a British soldier who fired a rubber bullet at her through the window of her home. And Emma refused to allow her injury and her disability to define her. Along with Clara Riley, she formed the United Campaign Against Plastic Bullets. And with the support of Danny and her large family, she campaigned tirelessly against the use of rubber and plastic bullets. For their part, Donny and Liz have been part of the Sinn Féin organisation in the Upper Andersonstown. And they're always very welcoming, always very practical, despite all the house raids, the harassment, the constant arrests and the threats. He and Liz refused to be intimidated. And Liz, God bless her, was and is one of the main community advice centre workers. She has been a key advice centre worker for us in Connolly House for many, many, many years. And despite the COVID pandemic, she continues to work and use her experience 
on, on behalf of our community. So with Danny, you know, particularly during election times, nothing was too big or too small for him. If you wanted a card to take someone to vote, if you wanted a leaflet delivered, if you wanted someone to stand outside in the freezing cold and the rain, Danny was your man. He also had a great sense of humour and despite his illness, he uh, kept that. So, my co-brown maradur me, a yanu lesh lez guharaha, augusta achaila. Donnie will be missed, especially by his family, by Liz, and by our community. And finally, we're all awaiting for a decision once again in the Pat Fanukan case. Uh, a lawyer acting for the British Secretary of State for the North gave the High Court in Belfast a commitment recently from the British Secretary of State that a decision would be taken on whether to proceed with a public inquiry and that he would publicise that decision before the 30th of November. As we all know, Pat was killed in February 1989 by a, a UDA death squad working in collusion with the RUC Special Branch, the British Army's Force Reconnaissance Unit and the British State. And led by Geraldine, the Finucan family, like many hundreds of others, have been fighting to get the truth. And successive British governments have blustered and bluffed and stalled and lied in order to prevent this. So, there will be, if this Secretary of State honours the commitment given by his solicitor, there will be an announcement. Whether it will be business as usual, and the cover-up continues, or whether there will be uh, some effort to face up to the legal and international human rights obligations that London should be governed by, we find out. So best wishes to Geraldine. Many thanks to you and to your children for your courage and tenacity over all of these uh, years. And let's hope that for once you get the justice that you deserve. Shinawell Akarja. Shinawell, August Chiefy May Shibsha, Slan Sawalta, Nurian Tal Libsha.